Welcome to the Awakened Mom Life Podcast. My name is Christina Bentel, and I'm a spiritual teacher and life growth specialist. I'm here to help you with your spiritual awakening so you can find your purpose, experience more passion, and have more joy in your life. If you're ready to uplevel your spiritual game, your life, relationships, and your career, then you're in the right place. My goal here is to help you see your infinite potential and your divine truth, and to teach you how to apply all of these lessons to your modern way of life. I'm thrilled that the universe has brought us together. So let's jump right in. Hello and welcome. Today's episode is definitely going to be one of my favorites. I just know it already. Uh, I've been thinking about doing this episode for a while. And once I started really doing the research of my ideas, I just went down a proverbial rabbit hole. And I can do that sometimes. I just get so interested in a topic that I can spend hours and not even realize how long I've been spending researching and just learning about something. And that's definitely true for today. So in this episode, we're talking about the parallels of the movie, The Matrix, which you're probably very familiar with, and Buddhism. So most people know The Matrix as a really great movie with a really great storyline, but it's actually much, much deeper than that. So today we're going to be talking about the spiritual symbolism seen throughout the movie and the storyline and and how it actually applies to our own real world. I'm going to share with you some really key life lessons that are beautifully illustrated and entertainingly illustrated in this movie. And, And we're going to talk about how you can apply that to your life. So if you're a movie fan and or interested in Buddhism, you don't want to miss this episode. The Matrix is highly regarded as one of the best movies of our generation by far, right? The effects, the incredible graphics, the storyline is intriguing. The Wachowskis revolutionized science fiction at the time when this came out, you know, the visual effects and everything. It was just the best we had seen in a really long time ever at that point, honestly. You may or may not realize is that the Matrix is packed with spiritual symbolism. Like, it's absolutely packed. In fact, the Wachowskis have done interviews and they openly discussed their own interest in the link between quantum physics and Buddhism, both of which are very heavily represented in the film. And we're going to talk a little bit about quantum physics and how that correlates with Buddhism as well towards the end of the podcast. You know, what I truly love about this film is its ability to really serve the masses with such a deep and powerful spiritual lesson on enlightenment. And it's done in a way that's really straightforward and super entertaining. The Matrix, it really opened audiences' eyes and their mind to a deeper meaning of life. So before I dive in any further, I I really want to share a few Buddhist philosophies that will really help you understand the correlations in the film. First, it's really important to know that according to Buddhist philosophy, we exist in what's called samsara. Samsara is a Sanskrit word, and it is the endless cycle of rebirth that we live in. It's essentially the illusion of the world, a false reality. It is our projection of the lies that we're told. Samsara arises out of ignorance. So let me explain. In the matrix, it's a false reality, imprisoning the human's minds. Samsara is a self-imposed false reality, imprisoning human minds. The matrix is a projection of the mind and 
you get to decide how you appear and how you dress and how you behave. Do you remember the first time that Neo actually shows up in the virtual world with Morpheus after he's been extracted from the Matrix and they're in virtual reality and Neo for the first time looks down and sees himself in this virtual form and he's confused about the way he looks and he, you know, he's kind of not sure what's going on and Morpheus tells him, this is a projection of your mind. Samsara is a projection of the mind. You get to decide how you show up and how you behave. Samsara leads to dukkha. Dukkha is another Sanskrit word. And in the simplest form, it means suffering. Dukkha is suffering. Samsara, the illusion, leads to dukkha, the suffering. Now you can see the comparison. The ultimate goal with Buddhism is to end the cycle of samsara and to end dukkha by becoming enlightened. Now, if we continue to dive deeper, the matrix is considered to be a cult classic because of its visual technology, but also the symbolism it has for denouncing the capitalistic and materialistic world that we live in. And as you know, the, the movie focuses on the dystopian future, which is run by artificial intelligence, robots who are now in control. And in the movie, most of the humans are trapped in the Matrix, still believing in their comfy, cozy existence, completely unaware of the truth. Of course, Mr. Anderson, who's the main character, becomes Neo, right? His alter ego is Neo. Mr. Anderson and his Matrix persona is offered a choice by Morpheus. You remember the scene as Morpheus and Neo are sitting across from each other. Morpheus holds his hand out and gives him a choice. You can take the red pill or the blue pill. You can go down the rabbit hole and see the truth or go back to your comfy, cozy existence, ignorant of what truly lies around you. We are offered the same exact choice every single day that we are alive. Obviously, it's not so literal, but we can take the red pill and venture down the rabbit hole by investing in our growth, just like you are now by listening here. We can face our fears. We can overcome traumas. We can find the truth within by releasing the lies that we tell ourselves. We can choose to open our eyes to the false reality that surrounds us. Or we can take the blue pill. We can keep living a life of dukkha, of suffering, without seeing the truth. We can keep living with the veil pulled over our eyes and this illusion of a false reality. During this famous scene, again, we see Morpheus with his hand laid out with two options. And at that moment, Mr. Anderson is coming to terms with the fact that the world he lives in is an illusion. And then he must wake up so that he can experience the true world. So he takes the red pill. And as he's taken down the rabbit hole, Neo is awakening to an, a more enlightened state. He is embracing his Buddha nature. One of the first and most important lessons that I love uh, that Neo learns from Morpheus, you are not who you think you are. You know, his alter ego, Mr. Anderson, is truly, truly a figment of his imagination. It's an illusion that exists only in his mind. And I have news for you. You are not who you think you are. 
you have given a name to your ego. You've given it a story. It helps you cope with the world around you, but it's not you. It is an illusion. So have you ever questioned your ego? So for me, my name is Christina, but that's not truly who I am. I have a story about how I overcame tragedy in my life and I live with an autoimmune disease. I have a husband and I have a daughter. Those are all stories and their labels. And when you become attached to your stories and become attached to your labels without realizing that they're just that, that's when the suffering becomes real. Because beneath all of this is my true essence, the spirit, the universal life force. That's the truth. That's the truth inside. But I'm just like every other human being and I have an ego. And it's meant to protect me just like yours is meant to protect you. My ego helps keep me safe. So when I have to speak in front of an audience, I become fearful, scared, anxious, Why? Because my ego is afraid I'm going to die. So it protects me. What if I'm walking in the woods and a snake touches my leg? My super ego pops his head in and into action and I run straight out of fear. Then my ego, you know, tells me it's okay after about 100 yards to slow down. (laughs) Panicked and out of breath. Your ego says you can slow down now. Have you ever considered how powerful your ego truly is? It's more powerful than you can even fathom. The ego has kept humans alive for thousands of years. But just like human beings, the ego isn't perfect. So in this last example I was talking about, am I going to die talking in public? No. (laughs) Could I die if I get bitten by a snake? Yeah, maybe if it's really poisonous. Your ego cannot decipher the difference. Your conscious can. That's why your conscious has to be the one to pull you out of the lies. But your ego will try to keep you safe. So going back to the movie, do you remember during Neo's training when he's taken to the top of the skyscraper and he's looking down and if anybody's afraid of heights, you're like, oh my gosh, really? So Morpheus tells him, he asks him to jump from one roof to another. And Neo's like really questioning this and you can see uh you know his his peers kind of watching the screen and they're like no one no one makes it on the first jump we see his panic set in as he plunges to the ground only to be woken up in the real world with a bleeding lip but why he's confused didn't this just happen in the in, in virtual reality why was he bleeding in real life and he asked morpheus this Neo says, I thought this wasn't real. And Morpheus replies to him, your mind makes it real. Now, what if you apply this concept to your life? Are there situations that you can think of where the threat wasn't real, but your ego felt that it was real? For me, that was my anxiety for a very long time. I've shared this before, but my anxiety was so bad that it was almost diagnosed as social phobia and jobs and networking events, talking to a boss or meeting new co-workers. I literally felt like I was going to die. I couldn't breathe. My body would just, I would shake with fear, but I wasn't going to die. My ego couldn't tell the difference and it truly thought it was protecting me. 
but it wasn't. It was making me absolutely miserable because my conscious mind was trying to fight the subconscious and the ego. And we've talked about this before. 90 to 95% of your behavior is dictated by your subconscious and your ego. If you've got 90, 95 horses running one way and you've got five horses running the other way, which one's going to win? There are ways to reprogram your mind, but it's not as simple as just making up your mind that I don't want to be anxious anymore. It's much more complex and deeper than that, but it is possible. And too many people nowadays suffer with anxiety for this very reason. Their anxiety is supposed to be protecting them, but it's not. So what does Buddhism say about the ego? Buddhists know that the ego is powerful. And that's why we must overcome it and tame our monkey mind. I love this analogy. It's a monkey mind. But you can tame it. We do that with meditation and mindfulness. We use these tools to help the mind see the truth. This is how you repattern your subconscious. You allow it to see the truth. But it's a constant task. The mind is incredibly powerful. The ego is incredibly powerful. It will make things seem real when they are not. So, of course, we can't forget one of the most notable scenes in the movie, which is a very clear nod to Buddhism, as Neo sits in that small waiting room waiting to see the oracle, and you can see the mostly younger children sitting around him. He meets a boy, and the boy is dressed as a Buddhist monk. He has no hair, he's an orange robe. His face is very solemn and he's holding a spoon. The boy hands the spoon to Neo and he says one of the most notable lines in the film. He says, do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only realize the truth. There is no spoon. So how does this apply to you? What if I told you that the world around you doesn't really exist? Our ability to change the reality around us is a matter of our ability to change our minds. When I decided and, and worked hard at changing my own mind about how to show up in the world, it took a while and it was a lot of hard work, but my anxiety finally started to subside. That's why I do the work that I do. And I'm so adamant about helping others because I've seen what it's like to be on the other side. And I've seen the beauty of realizing the truth. So you guys remember Agent Smith, he's the bad guy, you know, he may have one said one of the best lines in the movie. And it's, I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through suffering and misery. But why? Why do we choose to live in suffering and misery? The Buddha wondered the same thing. So what if you're living in an illusion of pain and suffering by not seeing the truth? The truth of beauty, love, and divine wisdom that surrounds you. We live in samsara, a matrix of our own. The mind's own creation of, the, of an illusion through a self-inflicted prison. And just as Neo wakes up from the illusion... You too can wake up from the prison of society and this world. But it's not easy. It's not as simply as unplugging from the matrix. 
But it is essentially the same thing from unplugging from the matrix and asking the questions and, and finding the truth that's within you. And just like Neo has to face his own doubts and his fears and his overwhelming responsibility to finally see the truth, would you say his journey was easy at all? No, but was it worth it? Absolutely. And take the agents, for for instance. These are the villains who are constantly trying to stop Neo. And I love it. It's a great representation. They're trying to stop Neo from becoming enlightened and reaching his truth. From reaching the nirvana that he's aspiring to of saving the humans from non-existence. These agents are representative of our own internal fears. These agents are the doubts, the worries, the anxiety that pops up in your head and keeps you playing small. These thoughts that plague you from seeking your own truth. The thoughts of, I need to go to work today and pay my bills and I don't have time to work out. I don't have time for self-care. I need to do all of these things because I need to survive in this society. Well, what if I told you that's kind of bullshit? Yes, you need to survive. Yes, you need to pay your bills if you want to live. Like these are all choices that you get to make, but that's the point. You get to make them. You get to decide how you want to show up. So if you don't like your job, you can do something different. Yes, you truly can. You're not too old to try something new. You're not too old to to take a new directions. These are all decisions that you get to make. At the end of the film, we, we finally see the ultimate awakening. And this is something that, you know, again, for a long time, seeing The Matrix had always been very profound to me. And once I started doing this research for this episode is when this one really hit me like a ton of bricks. And it actually makes me pretty emotional. But at the end of the film, we see a moment of true understanding. Neo as he's standing there in the hallway, bullets flying at him from every direction, he sees the agents are no longer different. He sees them as part of the code. Code that he is, code of the matrix, code of everything around him. It's no different. They're all within his control because it's all in his mind. So Neo understands that the agents are simply part of the illusion too. They're all one. So again, the matrix represents our own world. We live in a world that is energy. So this is where I want to talk about the science of energy and specifically quantum physics. And then I'm going to tie a pretty little bow around all of this when we end. Because this is not another tangent. This is this has to do with Buddhism. You know, quantum physics physics is the science, the scientific study of atoms and energy the microscopic things that we we know that are there, but we can't see with the naked eye. So you may be a little confused in asking, how does this relate to Buddhism? The first thing I want to talk about is the Dalai Lama has never been a stranger to science. And throughout his leadership, he's actually advocated for merging science and Eastern philosophy. And this is honestly what got me interested in the first place in Buddhism a long time ago. I really liked the idea of being able to question things. I liked the idea of a philosophy that didn't discount science, but saw it as a true way to find the ultimate answers to life. So His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, stresses the importance of both physics and philosophy 
and the quest to conquer ignorance and end suffering, which are arguably the two main aims of Buddhism. So, you're made of invisible humming energy, connected all at once to everything that exists. It's believed that you are made up of atoms, which are part of an ancient canvas, which was used to create the entire universe. You're made of the very same atoms that make up the stars, the moon, the planets. This is science, but it's also philosophy. It's also Buddhism. So we are all the same. We are all one. So what if, just like Neo, you could awaken to see that everything exists as code or energy? As Neo is standing in that hallway, seeing the code around him, the agents, the bullets, all of these things around him, all is one. What if your thoughts, feelings, worries, the chair that you sit on, the dog, your pet that you, you lovingly stroke? What if you could see this all as energy that is manifested around you? And what if, like Neo, you could control this energy with your energy? We are, after all, one. Sound too crazy, right? No way. Well, this is where quantum physics comes in. And this is where I have spent so much time going down the rabbit hole because it fascinates me so much. I want to introduce to you the observer effect. And the first time I heard about the observer effect, I just, it blew my mind because it's one of those things that basically proves that we can control energy. So the term observer effect means it's the exact, the act of observing, you're you watching something will influence the phenomenon being observed. So what does this mean? Well, there was a very famous experiment called the two slit experiment. So in very simplified terms, the scientists shot electrons through this, these two tiny slits. So there's two slits, they shot electrons through the piece of aluminum and they recorded the pattern that they observed. So now they decided to take it a step further, right? And they put a measuring device on one of the slits, just one of the two. And they, you would expect that nothing would change, right? Like nothing in the experiment changed except for them observing the one slit. But this simple act of observing the electrons actually changed the outcome of the experiment. So it seems that the electrons were influenced by human behavior. It doesn't seem like it. It was. It was, it was influenced by humans watching it. So what does that tell you? It tells you that on a quantum level, things work entirely differently and that your energy can actually impact other energy. This demonstrates how sensitive atoms are to everything that we do. Buddhism also stresses the same concept. Your emotions and thoughts define you and your reality. So if we take it one step further into a familiar concept, gravity Science, right? Science. We know gravity. We know that Newton said when an apple falls, it hits you on the head. Gravity is energy. Gravity is defined because it attracts other particles. It clearly impacts other energy. Now consider your energy. How are you impacting the energy around you? 
the electrons, however small in your body, are impacted by the energy around you and by the energy that you expel. According to quantum physics, the physical world is a sea of energy constantly flashing in and out of existence. And it is through our thoughts that we transform this ever-changing energy into an observable reality. What does that mean? That's Neo standing in the matrix, transforming the ever-changing code in front of him into his observable reality. That code, we're simply transforming it into something that we understand and interpret. So you can create your reality with your thoughts. With quantum physics, science is leaving behind the notion that human beings are powerless. We're not powerless victims. It's helping us move toward an understanding that we are fully empowered creators of our own lives in this world. What is more powerful than that? And this is where the Dalai Lama believes that we really need to integrate the science and Eastern philosophy because we are all connected and we're all part of the same essence. With every atom, you can find part of the stardust that comes from the very beginning of the universe. So at the end of the day, or at the end of the movie, you realize that everything you do reverberates in the universe and comes back to you. You wake up like like Neo does and you see that it's all energy and that you are in control. You get to release the lies, the stories, the labels, release the illusion. That's when you experience an unparalleled level of peace and calmness. And just like Neo at the end of the film, we see bullets flying towards him and he's calm. Why? Because he knows the truth. The bullets are an illusion of his mind. It's simply energy. And he can choose how to react and how to create his own reality. I want to leave you with a short Zen parable. Nanin, a Japanese master during the Meiji era, is the early 1900s, late 1800s. He welcomed a university professor who came to him to inquire about Zen Buddhism. Nanin began to serve the professor tea. As he's pouring into the visitor's cup, he kept pouring but now it was full. And then he kept pouring. The professor, his guest, watched the cup overflowing until he could no longer restrain himself. Sir, it's overfilling. No more tea will go in. Nanin says, well, like this cup, you are full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? It's a beautiful parable that reminds us that we are so full of the stories, the labels, and the things and lies that we've told ourselves over the years that sometimes it's hard to let new ideas in because your ego is keeping you safe. So as we conclude today, just remember for you to see the truth, you must be willing to let go of the lies that keep you trapped. And sometimes that's very hard to see. And that's why having a mentor is so incredibly important on the journey. Because having an objective mentor is literally worth their weight in gold and helping you see the truth and helping you uncover the lies. 
So if you're interested in learning more about the work that I do with students and the Awakened Mom Life Academy, visit awakenedmomlife.com or come see me on Instagram at awakenedmomlife. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Sending you love. Namaste. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you really liked today's episode, I'd love if you could leave me a review. This helps me know that these messages are resonating with you and also what to share more of. And if you're interested in learning more about Awakened Mom Life, you can visit awakenedmomlife.com. Also, if you'd like to get even more inspiration, head over to Instagram and Facebook and just search for Awakened Mom Life. Tag me and share your lessons that you took away from today's podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any amazing moms in your life who would also benefit from hearing this message. I love you and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Namaste, my love.